I'm Neil. I'm Louise. And I'm Ronnie. I'm Daisy's dad. I'm Daisy's mum. And I'm Daisy's grandpa. In 2018, Daisy was diagnosed with regressive autism. She gradually lost all of her speech and began to show typical autistic traits. She'd spin in circles, avoid eye contact and make loud monotone noises. This was a huge shock. As up until this point, Daisy had been speaking in seven or eight word sentences. And had memorised pretty much 20 to 30 books. Since then, we've all been on a journey of discovery. In this podcast, we'll talk about that journey. And explore the impact autism has had on all of us. The lows. And the highs. This is the story of Daisy. And me. Episode 4, Decisions. Hi and welcome to the Daisy and Me podcast once again. Uh, Neil and Lou are with us as well. Uh, What's the title of this one then? Decisions. All right, okay. Well, I've had to make a few decisions, mainly about you, but uh, this is... uh, Oh, all good ones, though, obviously. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, Um, No, it's just because we've spoken to, and I think you felt this as well when we spoke to her a little while ago, Dame Stephanie Shirley, who just without a doubt is like, the most inspiring woman just generally. Um, uh, but it's a bit of a tragic story. It's a bit of a different kind of interview this week because yeah. um, it's not as positive as there's, there's a lot of tragedy in there, but also she's, she's very wise and she gives good sage advice. Um, uh, but her son uh, died. He was autistic. Uh, he was a sort of, uh, was he a, an adult? Yeah, he was he in died. his thirties, yeah. Giles. Um, yeah. And she has since then done countless amounts of work for autism and autistic charities, and yeah. just a, a astonishing human being. Really. Yeah, I found this one of the hardest ones to listen to. Yeah, because um, I, you know, I, I was listening again to it the other day. And I, I found it um, slightly pessimistic. I come out, I come mm. away from it. It, it, it was very real, mm. uh, but I found it very kind of, oh my goodness, is yeah. this what's in front of us? But there was a part in it when we mentioned the fact we were 50 years ago mm. when she was taken on. And there was a part where, where autism was seen uh, as a medical problem mm. yeah. rather than a social problem, as, yeah, it, yeah. as it were, and it was seen as kind of uh, something we had to keep quiet. Yeah, mm. and and she, like you said, she grew up in a. It was a different time. Um, they had virtually no options for Giles. No, um, uh, well, they kept him at home until he was thirteen, yeah. and then he he ended up in an institute, which were, at the time they were more like asylums, weren't mm. they? Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, but actually, the last ten years of his life were in back in the community, and I think that's the tragedy of it, isn't it? And he it? was working, and, and he yeah. was he was not working, but sort of he begun to his behavior had improved mm. he, he'd sort of started to learn new skills and I think there was some hope for them for the mm. future so I think I, I think I'm with you Ronnie I, I think this interview touched me the, more yeah. than any of the others and I think some of that and you, you will hear a bit from her later um but I think it's it's the grief isn't it the grief that yeah. she's experienced because we talk about the superpower of autism mm. And yeah. um, Dame Stephanie didn't talk much about that. She talked about no, and I think that's just because of her perspective Aye. on it. She she would you know she'll talk about it in the interview, but she's set up schools I mean, and stuff like that yeah. for yeah. so so the work that she does. She obviously knows what autistic people are capable of. Yeah. It's just all coloured by 
her own experience. Um, but that's sort of why we're we're calling it decisions because um, there's an awful lot of decisions you have to make that are completely different as the parent of an autistic child and the grandparent of an autistic child. Silly little things like, do I go to this park? <laughs> you know, that park hasn't got any fences around it, so I'll spend my entire time chasing Daisy around. Yeah. Maybe I'll go to that park. But it, you just you realise the decisions that you make are just so minute yeah. and sort of really kind of it, in, on every detail. The effect of the decisions can have a really profound effect on Daisy and you mm. for that day. But I, I guess there's the everyday decisions, but there's also the bigger decisions that as a parent you you don't expect to have to make a decision about school. Do you send your child to a special school mm. or do you send your child to a mainstream school? And I think we, we've talked a bit about this. It is something that is coming up for us. We're having to think about looking around schools. Yeah. Um, so that I, I remember having a conversation with my colleague and friend who has um, a son. We've talked about him before. Um, and she was absolutely adamant that he was to go to a mainstream school. And there were lots of challenges. He, he was verbal. So I think there were challenges in different ways. But And he did really, really well. But for her, she wanted him to be around typical people. She felt that he was very capable of fitting into that. And actually, that was the right thing for him. We're in a sort of position with Daisy where things may change over the next couple of years and we might be in a very different place. Mm. But actually, I think our current gut feeling is that with the level of need she has, she would need to be in a special school. Mm -hmm. And then you think, well, that environment isn't what the normal world is yeah. like. The people she's going to be with are not what everyday people yeah. are like. It, it's it's a huge decision I f and I feel very anxious about it. I don't know about you. Well, it's, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because like you said, it's not a decision you tend to have to make with regards to your kids going to school because normally it's just which just one's the nearest <laughs> yeah you know uh, but we are we are actively looking you know we're in Ely we are looking at options in Cambridge yeah right because okay. there are you know very specialist places that have a ah, right. fantastic group. yeah and there are yeah. other uh, schools here in Ely and there's one up the road in Liverpool but you have to you have to kind of keep your options yeah. a lot more open What's that? You tipped all your fruit out. Oh, lovely. Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. Is it delicious? Delicious. <laughs> delicious. Delicious. Well, one of the things that we've been talking about is the local school is a special needs school. Um, and we did go and look around there, but opted for the assessment unit because we had a better feeling about that at the time when Daisy first started school. But with the special needs school that's local, it's not just children that have autism. It's all different, which in some ways I think actually is really lovely. Because, yeah. it's a, again, it's about the sort of variety of life. There's different people, aren't there, with different needs. But then you sort of think actually would a specific autism-focused school be the place that would bring her... I don't know, just re help her to reach yeah, her optimum. You, you want to just go, you want to make a decision that brings the best mm. out of and actually it's is so much more <clears throat> pressurized because basically what we want to happen is she goes to a school that's perfect for her and she starts to talk again and then <laughs> she gets back into mainstream education yeah. and then normal I, life but i i think bearing in mind what's happened over the last 
what month and a half, two you know, two yeah. months, and the development that's happening. Yeah. Um, I think we could be in the danger of maybe making decisions too soon. Yeah. You know, because yeah, because we're we're actually seeing such a huge improvement, such a, a lot of interaction. We could talk about that at the end. Uh, we're, we're special daisy moments, but I can see why why you you kind of think and you have to do that. I suppose a lot of parents do, mm. but. The, the phrase that came out uh, talking about you know options was uh, Dame Stephanie said something about you be, have to become if you're a, a child with special needs you have to be a combat soldier mm-hmm. you have to, to be ready to fight for just about everything and that's the truth for the parents yeah. as well because I mean we know of, of other parents at our school who are in a very tricky situation with funding being pulled yeah. and, and and that sort of you know, the system is set up to review so they can cut funding rather than enhance, yeah. in yeah. my view. <laughs> That's um, how it feels, But isn't actually, it? you sort of want to live in a world where needs are identified. And, yeah, of course, if those needs yeah, aren't, as, aren't as high the next mm-hmm. time around, then, of course. But you shouldn't have to fight for it every time. You shouldn't have to no. trawl through everything that they can't do yeah. Yeah. to justify the funding. Yeah. You want to be able to say, well, here's what they're really good at. Here's where we need some more help to do this, that and the other. But yeah, you're right. It, it is about becoming sort of really hard. The other thing that came to mind as well was, remember we talked about you f- fuel the obsession all right, yeah. fuel yeah. the obsession. And it strikes me that way as well. We don't know what the obsession is going to be. We have a rough idea at the moment. Numbers and letters mm. is it, a big thing. But it, it's, I found that fascinating, the fact that uh, she saw that, she was talking about that as well, of you see what, what makes a child comfortable at, to yeah. learn yeah. as yeah. well. So anything that you do do has to be a place. And then the other thing as well, uh, maybe we can talk about it after the interview, is employment. Yeah. As well, we're hoping that Daisy goes into employment. But she was saying an incredible figure of eighty percent of well, uh, uh, yeah. Adult, I mean, autism. the the way I found out about Dame Stephanie was uh, through my work. I did an interview uh, over, with a uh, over Zoom. Sorry, I, I just got to go. Your, your work. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, I, I work yeah. in TV. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. So, um, so, so it's, every, it's every time you say that now, I just go, "You work." Yeah, of course. <laughs> You you work in TV, well, you know. T- unlike what you used to do, we actually we actually have to sort of put a lot of resources oh, yeah. into it. Oh, your half hour of TV every yeah. day. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Quite, it's quite labour intensive, actually. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. You know, okay, fine. And, 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 oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. Awful lot of viewers. So. Um, <laughs> me, you. But yeah, no, I, I did an interview with her um, for my work and because uh, I work in TV. Um, <laughs> and, uh, she was talking about underemployment of autistic yeah. people. And when, I mean, I don't know if you've spotted this, but I've I've started to have a lot more loyalty to places that I now see as employing people yeah. with yeah. learning difficulties. Yeah, definitely. And Sainsbury's is one. Yes. Uh, I think they're... Waitrose do on a case. I, th- I yeah. think I've seen some people with learning difficulties in there, but it takes an awful lot for yeah big company. Big companies have to make that step yep. yeah. for everyone to realise because there are 
there are there's so much you can gain from having a, a person who mm. has a different perspective yeah. in your organization. Mm. I mean, uh, Elon Musk talked about it. He he hosted Saturday Night Live, and he um, he talked about being the first person with Aspergers. Right, to host yeah. that. Right, yeah. and he's now you know he's he's a multi billionaire. Yeah, spent yeah. sending rockets into space and making electric cars. And it's that kind of you need that different kind of thinking in the workplace yeah. just to just to kind of broaden your horizons. Yeah, and it's so important, isn't it, that people are accommodating people with special needs? And mm. I think I think it is obviously much better than it used to be, but there's still a long way to go because if it is like you say, there are those few places we know about. But how many others could you name? But but what I think needs to happen now, and people we've talked to, Anna Kennedy uh, as well. It was interesting. Anna started her own school, and so did Mm. Um, But the training needs to be put in for companies to to take you know to get their 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 own workers used to working with uh, Mm. with a person with special needs, Uh, and that's funding again. That's funding Um, now. The realistic aspect of that is what's in it for a government. Uh, mm. To uh, to fund companies, take on more uh, children, uh, people with special needs. Mm. What's in it for them? And I don't know what it, you know what how you convince. But it'd be a great thing for a government to do. What a legacy to say, yeah. right? We're put a hundred million pounds into uh, as grants to companies to say we want you to increase the number of people with special needs that work for you. Yeah. We yeah, want you to do you that. You are able to. Uh, and actually, just going back to the point you made there, the training that companies need, I don't think that would cost very much. Well, because essentially, people are decent, yeah. And you you train, you know, every everyone's worked with someone who can't do the job very well, yeah. <laughs> regardless of whether they've got special needs or not. But you train those people and you talk to them at a different level, yeah. and it's just about being accepted. But I mean, Dame Stephanie talks about that. She talks about the very minor adaptations that you can make mm. to a workplace. And I think actually her sort of uh, her background of actually setting up her own company and her autism experience put her in a really good place to be able to yeah. talk about that and support that, didn't, didn't it? So Yeah, it, it, it was really fascinating. And you uh, complete awe of people that just go, right, that's not available. Like Anna, I'd like to, right, that's not available. I'll make it available. Mm. Yeah. I'll, I'll do this. I will uh, buy a, a, a derelict school and I will yeah. convince the local council that I'm going to mm. get it done for that. And it's just amazing. And, and God bless them because, you know, in 50 years' time, if they look back at these archives, they'll think, that Ronnie Barber's really good. Um, <laughs> but they'll look back and say, why goodness, they had to fight for funding. Mm. Yeah. You know, they had to think, you know, you just hope that that's yeah. going to be the discussion then. Yeah, well, there's the trailblazers, these people, aren't they? They, oh, they, yeah. they, they set, I mean, arguably, the reason we're able to do this and talk so openly about autism now mm. is because of the steps that people like Dame Stephanie took yeah. 50 years ago. Go back just before we go and listen to Dame Stephanie. Was, uh, you were just sitting there, Lou, about the small uh, changes as well. Uh, but it is interesting when we talk about Daisy to the wider, you know, to friends and everything. And the number of people who know somebody mm-hmm. with a child with special yeah. needs, autism, Asperger's, and, and it's it's actually a lot of people. So there will be people who are in a workplace, actually, I know how to deal. I know how to yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you think about the numbers of diagnosed people with autism, in the UK, is seven hundred thousand. Yeah, that's diagnosed. Yeah, and you think about the, the number of undiagnosed; it's probably in the millions. So, <laughs> yeah. every everyone should know someone mm. with autism. Right. Let's have a listen to the interview now with Dame Stephanie Shirley. 
So, Dame Stephanie, um, I, I did a lot of, uh, of watching of uh, of talks that you've done, and we've we've read the your memoirs. Um, and in one of the talks you gave to the Royal Institution, you actually referred to yourself as the autism lady. And having read your book, the 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 life that you've led, and the the kind of amazing adventures and, and trials and tribulations you've had it was really telling that you called yourself the autism lady does that speak to how much autism defines parents well i think when you have an autistic child and it certainly happened with me the whole family we lost our friends and it, well we're not not friends but we've certainly lost all our acquaintances we lost making new friends um, years later, I heard from somebody who sort of said, you just dropped me. And I wrote back and sort of said, I'm sorry, but you know, the whole autism took over. And um, I, I don't even remember what, what happened. It was just so ghastly. Um, I've also described uh, my son's life, despite everything that two loving parents tried to do, um, as devastating. Uh, his quality of life was abysmal. Now, the professionals um, always remind me that autism is a spectrum and that it may be our children uh, have poor quality of life, um, but that's not true of everyone with autism. And over the years, I've got to know a lot of people with autism. One of my charities, Autistica, uh, the chief executive is autistic. Uh, and uh, James Cusack is, is as good a chief executive as, as you would ever want to have, but he is clearly uh, on the spectrum. And um, we have this, this enormous variation. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it, it's, it's not an easy one. I guess uh, you sort of talk a bit about the devastation of of that when it happened. I, I think the thing that hit me just reading um, your book, especially around the, the time that you realised something was wrong and as his behaviour changed, the I suppose for me that the connection with with listening to another mum talking about their story, it was almost like I felt you had taken everything out of my head and my heart and put it on to paper in black and white. And it was, I think, I suppose what I wanted to ask about was as, as a mum, that sort of feeling, what, what you experienced, what that devastation was like for you. Knowing I was meeting you, um, I was hoping that 50 years on, um, <laughs> things would be very much better. Mm. And I do hope they are. And if not, you have to struggle as, as best you can um, to make things better for other parents. Um, I mean, my husband, I mean, Giles died, as you know. Um, my husband never speaks about autism at all. Um, it's just too painful. Um, and that's a dreadful thing to happen to a marriage because I spend all my time with autism. That's what I do. Um, and it's something that I, I, I'm happy to do. I am effective at doing because I'm used to making things happen. Um, but 50 years on, I hope the same doesn't happen with you. The stress on a family is enormous. It's been likened to, um, for the main carer, which I guess is you, Louise, um, to equivalent to uh, that of a combat soldier. Mm. I mean, it really is bad. Um, I spoke to the Institute of Psychiatry some time ago, and I'll send you, if you like, um, that 
paper because I thought about it very carefully. There's mainly young psychiatrists just starting out who had no understanding of autism. And I showed um, some films of the pupils at Prior's Court School doing something very positive. They were, they were singing a song um, and, you know, for non-speaking children, you know, that's an enormous achievement. Yes. Have you thought a bit about what you're going to do about schooling? Yeah, so we're we're at the um, we're at the stage uh, where Daisy is in a what's called an infant assessment unit. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of a halfway house between um, a special school and a mainstream school. It's attached to a mainstream primary school. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know what she will do next. Our, our guess is that she will end special up in a special school, school mm -hmm. um, just because of the verbal challenges, um, because she doesn't talk at mm -hmm. all. And did she ever have any speech? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, so not that, a lot. That's what we said. Yeah, so she was talking in eight or nine word sentences, conversational, oh. um, and it almost all, even it, worse. It was like, yeah, it's yeah. sort of it was almost like neurons were being snipped. snipped in the brain. She started slurring, and then it all gradually just just got worse and worse. Um, mm. So it was it was, and actually, it speaks to something that you you said in one of your talks was. Um, that you and your husband had got to the point where you were accepting of the child that you had whilst mourning the child that you never did. Um, and a reminder, I'm a lot older than you are, and I now mourn the grandchildren we haven't got, because all my friends are really having a lovely family life with grandchildren, and we haven't, haven't got that because we'd decided, has Daisy got any siblings? No. 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 Well, you see, we decided, and I don't say it's right for everyone, that we would focus on the child that we had, so that all our energy and love would go to Giles, and we wouldn't have any more children. Mm. And that's a big decision to make. And I'm sure it was the right decision for us, uh, because we kept Giles at home for till he was 13. Um, but then, of course, you probably know, I mean, he finished up in hospital. The, the, the end story was very positive. He was living in the community with, with dignity and a good quality of life. Um, but that was only the last few years. Not easy, not easy. I think just listening to you there, there, there is a lot, we, we talked in our very first episode, the very first podcast was about grief and loss. And I think that you do, you, you grieve for that child that you haven't got, even though that child is still yeah. there, but there's all the future losses that other people yeah. experience, all those life yes. things. And we're the same. We, we had the same conversations that we mm. were going to focus on Daisy. I was yeah. a bit older when we had her as yeah. well. But you, you constantly question whether you're making the right decisions, but you're constantly going through all these losses as well. And I think it's very hard for people who haven't been in that situation to understand that. It's, um, I don't know. If that do you think, um, do you think, um, Dame Stephanie, that that is something that's perhaps unique to the experience of the autistic parent, that emotional turmoil to the existential? So the stuff that hasn't happened mm -hmm. That you... I think that's true for a lot of people with learning, with a family of learning difficulties. And if you come across it, some <clears throat> very severely uh, damaged children, you have the same sense, sense of loss. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's always a sort of nightmare. 
um, that sort of inside the daisy that you've got now, there is the daisy that might have been. That if 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 if, if there was some magic silver bullet, or we began to understand autism a bit more, that you could reverse the reverse reverse the regression. Um, but for most of us, that is just not so. And so we have to come to terms with grief. And I'm sure we go through the normal um, stages of, of denial that anything's wrong. Um, yeah, not easy. Um, I wonder if um, actually yesterday I, I spoke to Simon Baron Cohen, um, uh, who obviously you work closely with. Um, you know, he's now Sir Simon. Yes, I know. And and when I when I was talking to him yesterday, I made made a point of saying Professor Sir Simon Baron Coe. <laughs> it's such a mouthful. Um, but uh, he, he actually was talking to me because I got him to sort of go back to the early part of his career when he started looking at mm. autism as a research topic. And he sort of highlighted how much attitudes towards autism have changed. Oh, yes. And I guess you will have seen that as well. It, it used to be very much a medical problem and a very disability he can't do this he can't do that um, and I think it's now moved into a social problem uh, and we've all learned that we have to you know it's conceitful to think that Daisy should adjust her way of thinking um, to to fit into your lifestyle mm -hmm. but it's up to you as adults to um, learn to understand what's going on with this very special child as a sort of unit together there are times when it is really really stressful particularly when you're not getting any sleep but we both work yeah. as well and I, I know that you continued to work as well yes. worked extremely hard I, I, yeah just you know, quite inspiring really um but there is a strain on the marriage at times I mm. think we yeah. we are strong but I think there are a lot of other marriages that possibly wouldn't have mm. survived um but it's, I mean, yeah. the breakdown rate is very high uh, the separation or divorce, whatever it is, um, is now 80% for families with autism. 80%. Oh my goodness, That's, that is really high, isn't it's it? It's very high. It's just a stress that, uh, forgive me, Neil, but it's usually the men that can't take it. <laughs> I've got a good one here. Listen, I'm look after him. <laughs> Dame, Dame Stephanie, I've got a million reasons to leave. None of them are autism. <laughs> No, that's not true at all. She's an angel. She's an angel. She's an angel. Um, you know my joke about my husband's an angel. Yeah. Um, and I said it once in public and uh, uh, a woman in the audience complained, said, you're lucky, mine's still alive. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Dame Stephanie, I wondered if you might, um, might be happy to talk to us about uh, employment and autism. Because um, it's a topic we've talked about um, before uh, for my day job in journalism. Um, there's a serious underemployment of people with autism and there's a real um, problem with autistic people just not being taken into the workplace. Um, I mean, how do we solve that problem? Well, I think it's well to remind ourselves that there's high unemployment in the country generally, but autistic people... Uh, are employed only at the level of 16%, whereas for uh, learning disabled generally, 
It's much higher than that. I can't quote the, the, the figure. The adjustments that the employer needs to make are trivial. They're not costly. They've been in the States, they were costed at $200, dollars um, per person uh, for retrofitting uh, the environment in which somebody works. Uh, because there's probably a need to um, change the lighting, uh, get rid of fluorescent tubes, uh, to make sure that the person is in an, an appropriately quiet corner, um, quite trivial things really. Um, but without those, the employer cannot expect somebody with autism to fit into the cutthroat environment uh, of the, 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 the classic of office. Um, there's training involved of uh, the manager to make sure that they know uh, what they're taking on and how to manage somebody with autism and also to be able to talk to the team and sort of say look we've got this new person coming in you need to what be careful with this um, if it was somebody who was blind you would help help them move around this is somebody who's autism you need to help them they they need um, clear instructions unambiguous direction um, to be included but not expected to be you know, so the, the, the leader of the band um, and to really um, adjust the environment so that um, a whole diverse group of people can work together and get the best that they can out of them. So th there are various organizations that do it. Last time we were chatting, Neil, um, it was we were talking about the work being done at the National Museum of Computing in Bletchley Park. Um, my Autistica charity does something, the NAS does something, the Scottish Autism um, Society does, um, ha has got something going. And there are organizations that set out to um, employ only autistic people. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they tend to be in the high tech area uh, because that's where um, people with autism fit well into the digital world. It's that yes, no, it's clear, clear. It's not ambiguous, it's not nuanced. Um, so there is a lot going on. Uh, I've, I sponsored a three-year study to, and, and came up with a, a book um, published by Routledge called Autism Works. And that's full of case studies of uh, people successfully going into work and unsuccessfully going into work and covering both the bright IT people that I've just been talking about and people like your Daisy, my Giles, who can still find places and activities where they can not just perform, but where even they can excel. And that's what one's always looking for. Um, my school is teaching a whole lot of people with autism and I assure you, they are exactly modeled on, on, on our children. Um, to work in a bakery um, and they bake bread which is sold commercially um, and uh, we're hoping that that group will be able to leave uh, and, and we can get them into employment in a bakery. It's lovely, it's, it's nice clean, it's repetitive, it's, it's, um, uh, it's satisfying because you know you're working with food and you can eat it. Um, and so uh, the pupils ju just 
excel at it really they're I a think, bit slow I think at the moment be, that would be the issue with the bakery <laughs> daisy is, would eat everything <laughs> daisy would uh, there would be no stock Mind you, it's it's quite good. I think we've found that actually putting things like that in front of her is much easier to manage than the eating of books and everything else that she yes. eats when there's yes. no food. Yes. But I, I was actually really interested. You've talked a bit about your school. I wondered if it'd be okay for you to tell us a bit about how that all came about and your work with that. How it all came about. I saw a school in Boston, USA, um, and realized that they were getting results so good that at first I thought that the, ch the young adult laying the table in the canteen uh, was a helper, not a student. Um, and then I looked at the younger children coming in and they were just as wild as my child's. And so I thought, what are they doing here? And they had um, a fairly rigid routine of teaching. It's called the Higashi method. It relies very much on exercise to um, get children into a, a sort of learnable, teachable mode uh, so that they'll run around for a bit then have a lesson. Then they'll run around a bit and have another lesson. Uh, and the, the, the classrooms are absolutely bare except for the single thing that's going on. Uh, pretty well based a bit on ABA, but mainly on teach, which you'll come across. Um, and I came back sort of saying, we need a school like that in this country. And um, went, charged up to the uh, Department of Education and whatever it was called then, and um, to learn that it was not the government that set up special schools, it was the private sector. Um, and so 22 months later, we'd found and set up uh, Prowse Court School. Um, it now goes up to 25 years of age. Um, the last few years, almost entirely teaching life skills. Um, the earlier years are, um, they, in theory, they follow the national curriculum. Um, so that uh, something that in years, something or other, they're supposed to do geography, say. Well, the geography might be the geography of the site. It's a 55-acre site. So it really has to interpret what national curriculum says because you've just got to be realistic. Um, there are nearly 100 pupils. There are 600 staff. So you can see the sort of... This is residential, of course, mm. so that it's 24-hour and staff don't work 24 hours. Um, they, uh, some of them are... Uh, using iPads uh, with little icons as to what they want. Um, some of them are using sign language. Um, some of them are, at the moment, um, they're, they're, they have lots of projects. There's the bakery project, there's a little farm project um, where children can learn animal husbandry. Uh, they've just planted, with the help of uh, a corporate sponsor, uh, 80 apple trees and they're going to make cider I thought maybe it's just apple juice <laughs> later on mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's full of projects and activity it's not desperate stuff but they, they I'd love to show it to you it's in near Newbury um, normally I take guests there um, every few months really um, at the moment I haven't been obviously for a long time but as soon as it's open we'll go Oh, that's that fantastic. Would you would find it very positive. <laughs>
Yeah, you're trying to it positive. Um, it's incredible. I think, hold on. I, I think the important thing is that even as you turn up, it's a happy place. It's a lovely school. It's not just that they've got enough space and, and the, the buildings are nice, um, but the, the, they're enjoying life. They are developing. And it just has that feeling of happiness to it. The, the thing that strikes me when you, I mean, to be honest, every, every talk that I've watched mm. that you've given and reading the book, the thing that strikes me is just your amazing personal drive mm. to get things done. Um, and I wondered, what is that drive? I concentrate on the two things that I know and care about, and that is computers, which I love. I fell in love with computers and uh, obviously I can't work technically anymore. Um, and autism, because I do know a lot about autism now. Um, and so that's where my philanthropy has gone. I mean, wishing and thinking doesn't get you anywhere. You really have to do something. Mm. And um, that may mean getting together with other parents or uh, getting together with your loca locality or with a local, whatever it is. Um, but time is of the essence that um, at five, she's still quite small. Um, and five years on, it'll be very different. So you have to prepare. Yeah, I think that's it. As she gets bigger, I think I'm already now as she's getting bigger, it's sometimes harder to manage yes. certain behaviors yeah. she's stronger um I think again one thing that made me smile in your book was when you described Giles running into the sea and your husband running <laughs> off <laughs> I can I can completely you can see that with that we've had that yes. occur on several occasions yes. <laughs> so, yeah it's yeah I think that she loves the sea but she doesn't realize that she can't swim and yeah. that she's fully clothed sometimes yeah. so but but I think just the drive that you have has been evident in everything you've done through your life. And I just it is quite inspiring, I think, for us. Um, I, yeah, I just hope that we can muster some of that and push things through for days. Well, the, the things that make a difference to 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 drive is uh, motivation, tools, training. What's the last one? Management. Um, but the biggest one, I think, is motivation. And you're motivated to do something, and that's what will see you through. But do look after yourselves. That um, healthy selfishness. Um, Dame Stephanie, just finally, I, I, I wondered if, um, if we can imagine autism as a sort of story arc through time. Um, where do you think we are on that arc? Is it a positive place or a negative place? I think it's... I mean, even COVID has made it a sort of cusp. Um, I think it's turning quite positive. Um, there are things that we can all learn from Daisy. Uh, they don't come out in the same way, but she has a brain in there. Um, she does understand more than she indicates. It's still going in. Uh, she will be learning until long, long uh, after school is finished. Uh, I think we all go on learning, at least I try to. Um, but autistic children do seem to learn well into their 20s and sometimes even 30s. Um, we've just got a, somebody who's, um, I'm not quite sure how old he is, I'm guessing 26, maybe even older, who's just started a bit of speech. 
Mm. Only a few words, but it started. Mm. Um, Now, it's pretty rare and it's not workable speech, but it's very positive about how he feels comfortable and and, uh, is able to make that gesture out. Very exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. Very, very encouraging for the staff as well. So I think anyone listening to Dame Stephanie Shirley will probably have felt a lot of what we felt, which is that I think, I mean, she's an incredible and inspiring lady. It's probably just worth mentioning. She was a refugee, a child refugee during the Second World War. Incredible. um, And also set up her own software company in the, I think it was the early 60s, and then gave away all of her, I think she gave away all ownership and made all of her employees millionaires. (laughs) She's just incredible, but all her philanthropy work. Um, And I think, I think I was just really touched by her. There were so many things that hit a nerve with me. I think the first one is the fact that Giles was her only child. I think there's a profound sadness that you feel that it just emanates from her and that the grief that she had of going through the challenges of having a child with autism in the same way I think that a lot of parents do, but also the fact that the decisions to have to put him into the institution, mm-hmm. that institution, I mean, she doesn't talk about it, but they ended up bringing him out because they didn't feel the care was right. Yeah. And that institution was closed down because it was so bad. So she must have all that stuff that goes through her mind about what he went through. Um, but the last the last 10 years of his life were I think reasonably good I think that there were positive things and they were able to enjoy his like time with him so the tragedy of then finding out that he died I think it, it was quite a sudden he had a, a seizure in yeah. the night um, and you can just feel it so I get a bit choked up I think she got choked up during it, but it makes me just, I think I just wanted to be in the same room as her and give her a hug because yeah, I just yeah. think she's incredible. I think it, it was a it was a sort of weird one to do because I think um, we obviously read her book and, mm. and, and um, found out about her, but I read her book as a journalist and I was like, right, facts. Mm. And you read it and you were just completely connected to her. I just felt... Straight away. I just, yeah. I think it's because everything she writes, I, I just... Com- so many of what sh- things that she wrote about, I completely got. I could just feel it. And I could feel her pain as well. I know... Mm. And I think one of the things it's made me really think about is... We, we're so lucky to have Daisy and we have to embrace every single day because we don't know what's around the corner no. and you, you hope and pray that you never have to go through losing a child like that. I mean, she talks about the not experiencing being a grandparent and mm. you can still hear that. I mean, there's just so much sadness yeah. and I think for a lady to have achieved everything that she's achieved in her life and to have had to have dealt with that, I just, I just think she's amazing. So I suppose... The humbling aspect of that is, and again, when you talk to great people, is there is a lot of people who are not wired like that, mm. who have, and you see them on Facebook and Twitter, you know, every day, the challenges that are there, and you, you, you they just get on with it. Yeah. It's extraordinary, the, the input they have, but they won't, you know, they won't open schools, but every day they turn up for their child as yeah. well. And that, I mean, that did hit me as well. The whole thing about uh, no grandchildren thing as yeah. well. That, that was yeah. that was yeah. what what you can't help but do is do a bit of oh navel yeah. gazing, yeah. <laughs> which I is the thing we try and stop us. <laughs> part of what we did was you know, but but actually then 
then we have to say to ourselves, no, come back. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. only five. And we, I- we don't know what's going to happen. But but it's it's just tough when, and, you know, we're, we're focusing on the tragedy here. Obviously, she's made a hell of a lot out of it. Yep. Yeah. And she's done. And to benefit other children. I mean, the stuff they're doing is amazing. What she's done is amazing. But it just, you can't help but sort of have a bit of future empathy. Yeah. You know. And I think it comes back to that thing that we've sort of touched upon it a few times. We never really talk about it in detail on here, but it's the whole one child thing, isn't it? So we've only got Daisy. And that's a big, that's a big thing elephant in the room I think for us um but yeah yeah it's I think you you sort of said didn't you you found it quite a difficult interview um from a sort of emotional perspective and I was thinking about this and I think we we do have this sort of this um tendency to keep things quite upbeat in the podcast I think it's really important Mm -hmm. that we do that but actually the these are the real stories aren't they of people and I think it's it's also really important to to sort of share that as well so yeah it's getting the balance right I uh, think I was thinking about you two during it as well. You must have had the conversations, you know, mm. about her being, you know, the only child, etc. And and, yeah. and 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 going through that and thinking about what it means for her not to have a brother or a sister. Mm. Tough, tough decisions. On the other side is the, you, the input that you've got with with the girl is is quite amazing. Mm. Um, and it's like we said before. Uh, these little increments we get with her, mind you, they're not that little at the moment, the increments <laughs> we're oh, no. getting is amazing. Yeah. But I completely understand, you know, I, again, the big decisions in life. And I think uh, people, uh, you'll have to make decisions about how many children they have and w- what they're going to do, how they're going to... Mm. Nobody actually knows, you yeah. know, and I think we're quite right to... I think, very truly, we have to be real. Yeah. We have to think about the ramifications of, you know, is it that school or is it this school? Uh, do we move closer? Do we move, you know, mm. all those things. That's happening every day yeah. for parents with children mm. with special needs. And yeah. some parents, again, having to send their children miles and miles away yeah. to board at school. And I think, I mean, the prospect of that is just hideous to me. I couldn't imagine it. But for some parents, they have to make that decision because that school is the only place that meets that child's needs. And I mean, how... How must that feel for people? And, it's, and the child might be very happy. Yeah, and they probably yeah. are. And they, but but as a but parent, it, it, but as a the gut wrenching, even knowing that they're oh, happy and being that far miles away, and miles away, yeah. would just it would it would knock you, wouldn't it? And they're not decisions that other parents have to make about their young children. Maybe no. when they go to university, yeah. that's different. But as a parent to a young child for whom you are still the carer and responsible for, that they are heartbreaking and gut wrenching mm. decisions. I think. I think looking over the series, uh, the two series we've done, we're, we've been doing, is the it's a roller coaster, really, isn't yeah. it? It's a yeah. roller coaster, and we've had comments from people saying, "I thought you were a bit kind of down in this podcast <laughs> this time," mm. and 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 I I think that's that's actually reflective yeah. of what we have, mm. you, yeah. know, uh, you know, not just in life, but it, with Daisy, you know, we have those moments when she is on it and with it in other days. She, she's not. You well, know. When you think about just going back to the second child thing, mm. it's a subject that comes up between us a yeah. lot. And there's there's 
two sides to it that pop into my head every time. One is we're so lucky to have Daisy yeah. anyway yeah. Yeah. because a lot of people, God bless them, can't. Mm. And the other side of it is if we were, I don't know that I could give Daisy the time that I think a lot of parents needs. a lot of parents say that they, though about yeah, their children. There I, is that. I think for us it's been more about the chances of us having another child with disabilities and whether we could cope. And then as time went on, I got older and I just yeah, it there's just been lots of hurdles and yeah. challenges and, and I still worry about uh, um I don't know. I think I worry that I'm gonna regret or that we'll regret not mm. having what well, I wish is that Daisy had been a, a second child that would have been perfect mm. but you it's can't an yeah that's an interesting point as well, as well we would have been there we'd have had already and then you cope don't you and we probably would have coped with another one and I still wonder if we, we would I don't know well I had the problem because uh, uh, we, we had the two sons uh, and <laughs> I, my eldest son was my favourite still is uh, <laughs> Neil came along just didn't accident yeah it was yeah. an accident um <laughs> Never really connected with him. No. If I'm with it, honest with you, never worked with me. Yeah, no, or, you know. I, I don't dislike you. <laughs> well, I dislike you. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, okay, that and that's important to say these things. <laughs> we got to be honest. We have to be honest. We've <laughs> <laughs> got to be real <laughs> in the podcast. Um, let's talk about where where high moments with Daisy. And there's been just uh, there's so many things happening. We've got this lovely lady with life, Sky, mm. who's uh, the therapist mm. who goes in and sees Daisy uh, two hours a, a week. And uh, she sends us pictures. Mm. And th Tuesday and Thursday, my tail wags <laughs> when I get the ping on my phone saying, all right, we're getting pictures of yeah. what Daisy's uh, doing at school. So the just just quite amazing so but what what's been the highlight this uh, well week? actually the highlight uh it was different before today so i went out um uh, and met one of my best friends out near the park um uh and <laughs> it got to a point where both of the kids would have needed a wee so we we took and we're still toilet training daisy yeah. touch was just going relatively well um so daisy goes for a wee great give her a little treat outside the toilet um and then, uh, and it's all sort of drizzly and wet and everything, but we're standing in the rain. And she, just out of nowhere, gets on her knees on this drain that she's on and starts pointing at the letters on the drain. <laughs> so I have to go MG520, grade A, CCX249. And she makes me do it three or four times. And I thought, if anyone walks past here, my daughter's just looking at a drain. <laughs> and I'm helping her understand the letters on it. That's amazing. It was just great. Could you, you said, what, last week she saw the waitress? It was waitress. Oh, yeah, we had yeah. to stop. And, yeah, she, anything she, she with letters. W-A-I-T-R-O-S-E. I, I was quite upset that she might become middle class. I'm just yeah, no, no. She goes no. to waitress. Yeah. What about you, Lou? Um, so I think, again, mine happened today, but it's sort of because uh, I was going to do a moment of um, sheer well, horror, wasn't do, I? Should I do, do both? <laughs> okay. do that at the end. So the moment of joy today was we were in Daisy's little playroom. She's got a magnetic board with all the letters and numbers. And I said to her, because we were just doing, you have to go through the ABC. And I said to her, um, shall we just spell your name? Shall we spell Daisy? So I put the D up and then she just looked and she grabbed the A and put the A there. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and she stopped there. And I know that sounds so small, but mm. she knew that A came after D yeah. in spelling her name. 
So I'm just thinking, that's it. That's a start. We we can work yeah. towards that. Yeah. And it, it was just, yeah, I was just really shocked. I didn't she expect her to do it. Daddy. Well, she might have been, yeah, or Dave. <laughs> or Dave. <laughs> or right. Darren. Who's Dave? <laughs> yeah. No, he's done. Uh, yeah. I think we've all done. That is the big L. Um, I'm going to be a bit cheeky here. Two things. Uh, we've got the clock in the room. Don't say we've always the clock there, but um, mm. Daisy's picked up on this. I, so I just shout clock and she starts, <laughs> I go up and I go like that. And she goes up one, two, three, four, five, six. And she she loves it. And, and she you spotted the other day, she was kind of mouthing the numbers. Yeah, yeah. and Denise said, didn't she? she Her mouth was moving, moving a bit. But the one that got, I'll go back to the Sky moment. Um, Sky was getting Daisy to do some exercise and everything. And it was laying out the numbers, whatever. And uh, Sky was encouraging her to do this and Daisy just sat back and smiled and she just went ah I know how to do it but I'm not going to do it she had that smile and the great relationship her and Sky have it's like a double act you know the two but she just sat back and just kind of did this yeah I know what you want me to do but I'm not doing it so that just made me laugh because she's so aware now and of course the thing we've got to watch now is She's listening. Yeah. She yeah, takes yeah. stuff in. Yeah, like, no more effing and jeffing. No. <laughs> no. no. I know. I, well, I'd, Louise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd got some great words lined up. But... <laughs> I think, do you know, as well, I was just going to say, because each week when we listen back to the podcast, obviously Neil puts little snippets of videos from before um, she had her regression. So it's always a bit of a, oh my goodness, you hear that little voice. And I know we've said in the past, I struggled to watch the video. So this week, I've actually been looking back at videos on my phone which I haven't done in detail I've watched the stuff that you've had um, but you needed Neil needed new stuff so it's been really lovely and I'm sure you'll probably put some of these in this mm. week because actually there's snippets with Neil talking with her and her saying things to him right. um, and actually I found today that I was giggling and laughing at mm -hmm. the videos yeah. and it again it makes me want to cry but it, for the first time I actually felt really it was so lovely. It was a therapy to watch yeah. them. Mm. And actually, there was that little bit of hope again that we might just hear that little voice yeah. again. And if we don't, I've got those videos and yeah. that's a help well, now rather than... It, going back to Dame Stephanie. Yeah. There, there was no videos. No. No. Was, no. And we're so oh. lucky to have videos. Yeah. yeah. And, and all those sort of things as well. And, and I think uh, for, for Daisy, um, she, she must be so aware... Of her, you know, with the way we've learned mm. about autism, she's aware of her development. Mm. Yeah. But we, we don't, you know, she won't sort of say, yes, I did spell Waitrose for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she will be aware of getting a reaction from us. Yeah. When she puts things right, uh, when she goes to the toilet at the right time. There's a definite um, response to social praise, which we never had before. No. So we're actually, so we're using treats with toilets and we're actually planning to remove the treats with number ones and add in just for number twos. Because I think we're sort of reaching that stage, aren't we? But yeah, talking about body fluids, we had a bit of an incident this yeah. week. I don't know if I should say. So Daisy, Daisy and I always have a bath in the evening together. Oh, and... I just happened to notice that there was something floating around the bath and it was, what's that? And I picked it up. It was a little bit of sweet corn. She'd had sweet corn for lunch. So, well, you know, we uh, got alcohol probably. And I know you're probably seeing that as a negative thing, but her digestive system clearly is yeah. working really well. And yeah. we are feeding her vegetables. Exactly. <laughs> so on that... I've, I've never heard such a kerfuffle. Well, I, was, I was in the kitchen and she said, oh my God, Daisy! <laughs> Am I allowed to say Daisy shouted in the bar? Yeah. 
Well, I you think might want to cut that bit out. Maybe, maybe that's what we'll call this episode. <laughs> well, on that really high note, everybody, let's leave it there. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, it's daisymepodcast at gmail.com and at daisymepod on Twitter. On a personal note as well, when you watch a TV show that's a half hour long, like a news programme, just realise how much work goes into it. You know, it's a lot of work. (laughs) Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time.